0: Listen to Hacks. It's a tech podcast. My name is Simon. I'm joined by Moral. Hello. And Rob. Hello, listeners. We are unfortunately not joined by Rosemary this week, who had um, some stuff she had to attend to, so she'll be joining us again in the nearness of time. However, we could not delay this episode any longer, not only because uh, we weren't able to come to you last week, but also because this is a topic that I've been wanting to get to for over a month. And it was initially precipitated by the news stories about Elizabeth Warren and her supposed Native American ancestry. Uh, now you may recall that uh, she'd been taunted by uh, Donald Trump, among others, um, with the Pocahontas slur, and uh, felt the need to, you know, set these set the, set the issue to rest. So she um, had a DNA, she had a medical DNA test performed. And okay. it came out that she
1: medical is pretty. It, that's pushing it.
0: Well, I, I, I guess I needed I need to make a distinction because I know that she she did it through a nurse or a doctor or something. I I know that she didn't do it through Twenty Three and Me or Ancestry.
1: It was a doctor who is like a consultant to Twenty Three and Me.
0: Oh, is it? Yeah. Okay. I so a professional so phrenologist.
2: So charlatan. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> just wanted to clarify.
0: Right, For and I, it has been a while. It's been a while since the story happened, but what was her, what was her percentage in the end?
1: It was like uh, under 3%, I believe.
0: Right. But that was good enough for her to say, hey, I was right. Um, which, of course, uh, didn't stop the conversation in any meaningful way. And uh, that got me and us thinking about um, these companies like Ancestry.com, 23 and Me, and what it is they do and um, what value it may have or not have. So, um, that's what we're here to talk about today is, uh, these companies, what they do and what they don't do. And God, it's such a huge topic, but, um, I wanted to start with ancestry.com and their ads, because I think that's sort of the first thing that made me like perk up and realize that, um, these companies and their services were like a major, uh, a major thing that
2: people were, were spending a lot of time and energy on. You can, uh. You can really tell that we all have uh, liberal arts degrees because we just, uh, our entry point tends to be media. I actually have a fine arts degree, but whatever. What's the difference? <laughs> well, good for you at fancy. least. Fancy. Yeah, not all of us yeah, are fancy enough to have fine arts degrees. <laughs> That's
0: right. Um, so, my fascination with this stuff, I think, started with that Ancestry.com commercial where the guy talks about how he and his family always considered themselves German. Um, Then he performs an Ancestry.com test. Turns out he's uh, 52% Scottish. I decided to have my DNA tested through Ancestry DNA. The big surprise was we're we're not German at all. 52% of my DNA comes from Scotland and Ireland. So I traded in my lederhosen for a kilt. So he literally trades in his lederhosen for a kilt. Totally reorients their entire sense of identity. Sort of a recurring theme in these ads is that you you take these tests to find out who you are,
2: mm-hmm.
0: um, which, woo, like <laughs> it's funny at the time, like when these ads first started to crop up, like a few years ago. Maybe it seemed innocent at the time, but uh, now in the age of Richard Spencer and company, seems a little bit less innocent now, doesn't it? Mm-hmm.
1: The way I remember these ads is very. Sort of emotional music And people talking about how Oh I never realized that my grandfather Like fought in The war of like independence Or whatever like people Discovering enlightening things about their family History I didn't Or maybe they've sort of pivoted over the last couple Years to really um, Drill down on the racial Slash ethnic aspects of that Mm. Which I find very disturbing
2: If I can chime in here uh, so that's an interesting perspective Because I remember when uh, was it ancestry.ca? That's been around for mm-hmm. over, I think, like a while. A, yeah, a while yeah. Now. it's the OG. At least one. 10 years, right? And I remember when it first started popping up, um, you know, in uh, like online advertising or whatever, I might have been even, dare I say, it, maybe even my teens. Um, and as someone who is um, a Middle Eastern, and, and as uh, a Middle East, many Middle Easterners, there's not a ton of uh, information, maybe, especially because I'm part of a diaspora, um, about where I come from or who, like, what my, my origins are beyond like the the two generations that are still alive um and so it was really interesting to me like I I remember being kind of piqued by that I'm like oh I wonder like you know whether or not I could learn about this and even then I remember like I couldn't I remember typing in like trying to use ancestry.ca many years ago and it was like sorry does not compute um because I think it was always kind of um you know, it's always being programmed by someone, and that person doesn't give a shit about anyone beyond kind of the scope of their own interests. In this, in other words, in this case, uh, you know, Europeans perhaps um, or Western kind of uh, big W Western kind of um, notions of identity. Um, so, yeah, it's kind of interesting to hear you say that. You know, maybe it pivoted. I don't know if it pivoted. I think it's always been kind of just uh, inherently racist.
1: Well, I think <laughs> I think what they started with, yes, definitely inherently um, biased toward. Certain groups of people, because I think Ancestry started um, not with DNA testing, but with just family like, free stuff. yeah, people trying to using like social media sort of networks, figure out family trees yeah. and like put the pieces together. So like, you know, there was a big group of, uh, you know, old stock Canadians here <laughs> um, working on family trees together and not so many uh, people who like hail from other parts of the world. Um, but now uh, all of these companies are doing scientific um, DNA style testing. Uh, so, yeah, of course, we're talking more about race and, um, you know, ethnic origins.
0: So this is as good a time as I need to talk about. Like, what do these companies actually do when I fill a vial full of spit and send it off to uh, 23andMe or Ancestry.com? What are they doing with that?
1: So I think a way to sort of boil down what they're doing is um, each of these companies has you know a big basically open source um pool of genomes right and the genome is like the the source code for your you know dna or whatever everyone has your genome is like 99.99999% the same among all people of the world but it's that like 0.0001% that's different that makes you uniquely you so you have that 0.00001%, whatever, that is you. And what these companies do is they take reference samples of people who are from different parts of the world. So people who've said, oh, both of my grandparents are from Germany, or both of my grandparents are from, you know, Iran or whatever. And then whichever um, of those groups of people that you are closest to, um, ancestry.ca, 23andme says, uh, okay, uh, Rob, you have a genome that, that most closely resembles this person or that person, um, from these parts of the globe. So you are 53% Iranian or German or Scottish or Irish or whatever. You wish. I, I <laughs> <laughs> wish I had that premium Iranian blood. <laughs> but the problem is that, um, you know, these these results are only accurate if you have a really large reference sample of people. And, um, you know, I by birth am, you know, German, Irish, mm. If you imagine, like, so, listeners, okay. if you've never met me, if you imagine Michael Fassbender, like, that's what it looked like. Um,
2: <laughs> or maybe a millennial Ned Flanders. <laughs>
1: okay, all right. That's more nurture than nature. But, yeah, but you're pure Fassbender from the waist down.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I'm not stepping Too for that true.
1: One. Um, yeah, so uh, for, for someone like me to take a 23andMe test, because there are tons of genomic reference samples for people from Europe, It's extremely accurate. But if someone like uh, my compatriot, Moral, sitting next to me, who is who hails from, you know, one of the The dark continents um, were to take such a test um, may find problems with accuracy because there aren't so many reference samples.
2: Is it because there are no reference samples or just because we're so extremely evil and subhuman that we fail the test? (laughs)
1: Well, the problem is that your people don't like you don't have blood. Right. It's just sort of i core. And so (laughs) there's nothing to sample.
0: I think there may be something that's unacknowledged in many articles about um, 23andMe is like, yes, there's a general sense of, you know, certain people from certain types of the the world or certain types of people are more apt to to take the test. But I think something that's not acknowledged is like, by and large, I'm imagining it's mostly white people yeah. taking the test mm-hmm. yeah. because they want to find out what kind of white they are like
2: <laughs> Do, is it like the, the really best kind of white
1: or like the a lesser <laughs> brand
2: I think you're right about that, Simon, and I think it cuts both ways. Um, and I'm going to use anecdotal evidence. So, as you can, so listeners, as you can tell, I use really um, my methodologies are de rigueur, right? Um, but uh, you know, so so I'm Middle Eastern. Um, my descent is I'm of Middle Eastern descent, and um, there's this anxiety. Are you sure? Have you taken a test? <laughs> I haven't taken a test, but um, but I've been told by uh, white people, so it's great. <laughs> I feel like that's just the same. But sorry, that's just as good. That's Go just ahead. As good, but. But um, one of the things that, uh, that I noticed is when uh, whenever, whenever this kind of um, 23andMe kind of testing kind of came online and got really popular, as, I think as a result of probably a Black Friday sale at some point, um, <laughs> maybe a few years back, almost everyone in my mother's family, which is the only family that I really know, um, though I, I, I'm sure I like my dad's family, um, all, everyone essentially kind of got the kit and sort of like completed the test. And I remember maybe at like Christmas or something... Um, having a conversation with like a variety of my family members who were like going on and so proud to kind of identify what parts that were not like whatever genetic parts that weren't Iranian or Arab or sub-Saharan African you know like that was essentially kind of some way to kind of legitimate legitimize the fact that they weren't that different um, than kind of the general kind of Mm -hmm. uh, pool of whites so to say so for instance like you'd hear Uh, I remember hearing in a conversation like, oh, you know what? Turns out I'm like 15% Baltic or something. Or, oh, it turns out that I've got like some Slavic in me, right? And so that was kind of almost uh, touted as like a a point of pride. So I think that insidiousness kind of in terms of kind of the racialization cuts both ways in in a very dynamic sense. Um, Well, and this
0: also, I think this comes up in another 23andMe ad. I think it's a 23andMe ad. It might be an Ancestry.com ad where they talk about, um, you know, they, they show a young woman taking a test, finding out she's a bunch of different things, and then going to a, a bunch of different countries to celebrate each of those things that she is, which, you know, is a nice message, kind of. But, um, you know, I can also imagine a really like a lily white person taking a test, finding out they're like 3% sub-Saharan African or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and then being like, like, oh, well, and then like, feeling like it gives them, I like, can say an, the N word, understanding. <laughs> yeah, it gives them a hall pass for saying, say, well, maybe not even that, but just but just feeling like, oh, like, uh, I feel like I have this new understanding of black yes. culture mm-hmm. or something that seems to really be a thing.
2: That's something that's really interesting, because um, the other kind of anecdotal bit that uh, kind of came up when we were starting to talk about this 23andMe stuff was that uh, I remember a couple years back, and I'm going to try to. I'm going to change some of the details of the story so I don't uh, identify this person. Um, Not that they would be listening, but um, there was an individual that was quite quite close to me that ended up taking one of these tests and found out, yeah, there were like 3%, I don't even know what, like other, maybe it was just like all like pan-African because that's how bad the algorithm is. And then they just started uh, using that as kind of evidence that they were a diverse applicant for a variety of things, even though, (sighs) um, you know, phenotypically speaking, uh, and in every other sense of the word, they, this person was not, by any means, kind of um, a diverse applicant. <laughs> well, could you uh, could you define phenotype for the for the layman really sure. quickly? Sure. Yeah. So there's the, the distinction between a phenotype and a genotype. If I recall correctly from grade eight science, um, a phenotype are kind of the features that materialize on the body. So like your eye color, that's a phenotype. Um, but then the genotype, I guess, is the underlying uh, genetic code. I guess that mm-hmm. would indicate whether or not it's a recessive or a dominant gene. I probably messed that up. So don't at me um, at your public school system. <laughs>
1: the Alberta public school system. That's right. Um, yes, that is. Uh, that's right. And that was the Elizabeth Warren uh, strategy, right? Like the the whole reason that we got to this point where. My God, and it seems so long ago that that Elizabeth Warren was like making videos and waving around her genetic testing piece of paper um was because way back when she had put on her like harvard application uh Harvard Law application that she was um of um Native American descent
2: mm-hmm.
1: right and sort of trying to uh Native American wash her application yeah um so it's interesting that morale um mentioned, you know, people taking this genetic testing and then finding out that, you know, they're X percent uh, from, you know, Norway or whatever, and then Y percent from sub-Saharan Africa. Uh, Because one of the things I find most interesting, uh, going back to what I was talking about with the reference samples, is that there are parts of the world that are still, um, still have so few um, people who've taken these genetic tests that, you know, when you take a 23andMe test, um, if you have feels so wrong to say, like, if you have blood that descends from Africa. Um, uh, the, the most accurate thing that 23andMe can tell you is that uh, you have sub-Saharan African DNA, right? Like, there's no speci- specificity about, like, an ethnic group that you may come from from that part of the world. right? Um, and 23andMe has sort of recognized this, that, that it is an underserved group in the service that they provide. So I just love their solution to this problem. They have started giving out free DNA kits. If you are willing to share your genome um, uh, among all the users of 23andMe, they will give you a free DNA kit. If you, if your grandparents hail from certain parts of the world, Africa being one, um, Middle East being another, um, and you know they'll test you and then stick you into the reference library of genomes. Uh, and the the most beautiful thing about this is that they call the project uh, for Africa Roots into the Future. <laughs> Oh, my God. So, so you know, sensitive and really respectful of these people. Yeah. So this is their like part of their like global genetics project. They want to hoover up uh, the DNA information of uh, as many people from as many parts of the world as possible.
0: So we've talked a lot about, you know, this angle of what it is that these companies do, but it's not necessarily reflective of their actual business model, right? Like this is very much the public face of what they do, but it's not necessarily how they make money. So I think we should talk a little bit about um, what these companies do with the data they collect. And in the case of 23andMe, um, there's actually, they've been around for quite a while, I think since 2006 is when they were founded. And they had a tussle with the FDA quite a while ago, because their original purpose was to collect genome data for the purpose of designing medicine.
1: If I can well actually you uh, here, Simon. Oh, yeah.
0: So the, the way that they
1: originally positioned themselves with consumers was like a medical prediction service. So mm. they would say like, oh, get yourself yeah, that's right. tested and then like we'll give you your percentage chance of like getting cancer or whatever. Um, and I think uh, that was the thing that got them into trouble with the FDA because yes, like you can't run around right. telling people like you're going to get cancer. It's like not really <laughs> ethical. Oh, we're you're accurate. gonna get
0: cancer and you're gonna get <laughs> <Yeah>. cancer
1: <laughs> and buy these drugs um yeah so they, they sort of they relented that. from that and that's when they started um sort of marketing themselves as like a dna entertainment service almost um and that's when you started <laughs> to hear about people being like wow it's so interesting that i like wear a kilt now because i'm three percent scottish which like don't do that if you get a dna result back like
0: leave it right. leave it for the real scots but they are still sharing their DNA with major f- pharmaceutical companies. Mm-hmm. So that's and uh, yeah, things like that. That's
1: their like end game, basically. So like, um, one of their board members, Patrick Chung, has said in the past that like they want to be the Google of personalized healthcare, right? And the same way that Google like brings in all this um ad data about your like personal behaviors online, twenty three andMe wants to. Uh, control basically all the genomic data in the entire world. Right. And think about how valuable that would be for pharmaceutical companies exactly to develop new drugs. If you, if you knew exactly how it it would, it would affect certain percentages of the population.
0: Well, how, I mean, is, do we know how effective that, that um, data is at actually, you know, developing effective drugs? So, no.
1: And it seems that at this point, neither does 23 and Me, right? But the, I, I think their idea is that, like many startup companies, it's sort of a, a moonshot on the future, right? So at some point, right. drug testing is going to become sophisticated enough that you can just shoot in a, a genomic data um, and get out at the other end um, the cocktail of drugs that you'll need to fix X, Y, and Z. Um, and that's sort of what they're
0: banking on sure and then the question i guess then becomes okay so maybe there is um a valuable use to this data in aggregate and um maybe they would there will be useful applications in that case is it right that people should have sold off the rights to that information for what i mean what is the cost of a of a 23 and me kit
1: it's high it's too high it's like 80 bucks canadian
2: well i think so- you can get it uh like i think the pricing changes depending on like sometimes our sales right because like i always hear about it always bubbles up in in kind of social conversations when there's been some kind of sale and everyone's like oh i got a i got a 23 me kit you know and and uh so i think it, it really does kind of depend um but it is pretty expensive um i think you're
0: but it seems like if anything they should be paying us for the privilege of, <laughs> of collecting that information
1: wow that should be the tagline of this podcast <laughs>
2: pay us um but uh i mean i think there's something there are a few kind of interesting um i think points of intersection i want to tap into there um one has to do with kind of this question of kind of who actually has um access to your genetic data um so there are some funny things that have happened like back in 2015 um there was i guess like a some programmer ended up kind of um using the api been uh undergirding i guess 23andme um, and co-opted it to block people from sites based on their gender ancestry and any gen- genetic characteristic um and so it was called like the so the genetic access control source Code, i guess was open to developers so this is kind of from 23andme they said you know we have this kind of correct me why i'm wrong here but kind of like some kind of developer kit mm-hmm. um and it was published on github uh you know back in i guess presumably 2015 um And someone just got on there and ended up kind of using that um, to create third-party logins where uh, it would essentially kind of access uh, the information from uh, 23andMe um, from a third-party authentication tool to request permissions from 23andMe about, like, genetic makeup. And it would use it um, to be able to essentially kind of limit access to people based on, like, Oh, you're not European enough enough, for instance, to access this particular website. You usually do, so it got shut down quite a like. That was kind of a big data breach, in a sense. Um, and what was interesting is that the code's creator, I guess, offered some a variety of reasons as to why they were doing this. One of them had to do with the idea that they were creating "quote unquote" safe spaces for marginalized groups to escape trolls. Like that's actually so <laughs> good. It's so I love fucking that. insidious. Um, and it taps into kind of another point that I want to get back to. Um, but, you know, on his... GitHub posts. I guess uh, uh, he was suggesting that like Hasidic Jews might like to bar access from Ashkenazi or Sephardic Jews.
1: Oh, okay. I- I'm not a fan yeah. of this anymore. <laughs> I didn't <laughs> want, like, an want to attract or, your enthusiasm. Yeah. Or, problem. and this.
2: I mean, I think this gets back to like what we talked about last time with regards to um, you know the right and how they kind of deploy technology, um, or how the N double Sorry, I can't pronounce anything. Might want to filter its prospective members. Perhaps a nod to the Rachel Dolezal saga. Um, Or create safer online dating sites, again, this is in quotation marks, um, that ensures a low chance of potential pairings that one day might result in children with two recessive genes for congenital diseases.
0: Holy shit. (laughs) Oh my god. (laughs) Whoa.
2: Yeah, so it's like, so it's using kind of, again, this language of inclusivity and like care um, as a weapon, in a sense, right? Um, To promote essentially kind of um, hateful and uh, dispossessive, um, genetically dispossessive traits, or not genetically (laughs) dispossessive. dispossessed but like socially dispossessed ones um, so there's there's that issue right so so essentially like this stuff was not very well protected which essentially kind of uh, resulted in in 23andMe kind of being a little bit more thoughtful about you know access to um, you know developer tools and also kind of uh, the actual kind of genetic uh, code if you will but then it also kind of uh, has led to kind of this attempt to kind of reboot the idea that 23andMe has like a plan to keep your data safe and this is uh uh, I'm, I'm kind of drawing on an article in Forbes, you know, good old Forbes again, from, from earlier this year, um, just a few weeks ago, and this idea that they hired some kind of uh, privacy hire um, who is a lawyer by training and interested in improving healthcare. Um, her name is Kate Black, I think, uh, to essentially kind of try to ensure that the data was, uh, there was some kind of curation in the way that it was protected. There was some kind of data privacy with 23andMe. And uh, there's a quotation here that I want to read where Black, so this privacy hire for 23andMe that's going to keep your data safe, it says that you know she wants to tell you who actually can access your genetic data and says, I quote, the only external entity that would ever have access to consumer, customer data is our third-party lab that we've contracted to actually process the samples and generate the genetic data. Hmm. Does that seem right? Is there maybe <laughs> another, uh, this is callback to another third-party lab situation, with uh, that might lead to kind of some massive breach or leakage. No issues there.
1: Nah. This is the, the same story that we hear all over the tech space where, you know, your, your data will be parked um, and stripped of identifying features. Yeah. So your name, email address, phone number, address. Um, but of course, like here we're talking about your genome, which is like literally the most identifying thing about you.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Right. Um, so I, I think we all have major concerns with. That putting it out in the wild and and um, asking people to give it away just to get like fun information about where they might come from and like which grandparent lied
0: <laughs> i love all the stories that have come out about people doing their 23andme test and then because they think that it's hard science they they present the the results of their family and they were like Mama, Papa, you know, you've, you've lied to me. Like where, where this, this 12% sub-Saharan Africa, where, where does that come from? Where did that come in? Grandma, you know, (laughs) Mima, like where? (laughs) (laughs) Where <laughs> is this? I just love the idea that people, and it's also, it also scares me, the fact that people take the stuff as hard science when you know, yes, it's really, it's really not. So it's very soft science. Yeah,
1: we all read stories this week as we were researching this episode about um, people who have taken the same uh, genome results, same blood sample or whatever, and submitted it to a number of different um, DNA testing services and gotten wildly different results back right? Like these are just comparative algorithms, right? So whatever um, reference library your genome testing service starts with, uh, that's what it's going to compare your sample to. And if there are different reference libraries among different companies, you're going to get different results.
2: Yeah. Um, And if I can just jump in here, uh, I mean, a lot of this stuff really kind of uh, was redolent to me of some of the ideas presented by, you know, a bunch of feminist thinkers, Um, And I I just kind of want to focus on one in particular. And I think this taps into kind of a broader question that we kind of grapple with on the show, which has to do with kind of this notion of kind of um, techno-solutionism and how that gets wrapped up in a variety of discourses, um, you know, for political purposes, as part of whether it's, you know, to promote a particular kind of um, side of the culture wars, for instance, or just to kind of say, to essentially allow and legitimize um, pretty horrible practices across the board. And it's just, um, so something from... Donna Haraway's, uh, Primitive Visions, is that what the book was called? Um, where, you know, in the first chapter on the persistence of vision, um, where she kind of points out this notion that, like, fact and fiction are kind of always seen as, as pretty, um, as pretty separate, right? Um, but she points out that, you know, fact, they're actually quite similar and that facts can be in a kind of reading here. Facts can be imagined as original, irreducible nodes from which a reliable understanding of the world can be constructed. Facts ought to be discovered, not made or constructed. But the etymology of facts refers us to human action, performance, indeed human feats. And then she cites the OED, which, like, awesome. Um... Deeds, as opposed to words, are the parent of facts. That is, human action is the root of what we can see as a fact, linguistically and historically. A fact is a thing done, a neuter past principle in our Roman parent language. In that original sense, facts are what has actually happened. Such things are known by direct experience, by testimony, and by interrogation. Extraordinarily privileged routes to knowledge in North America. Um, And I think, you know, that's a really important Mm. thing to... You have problems with
0: that? No, I think facts are the things that I send away for and then they get sent to me by a company and then it's on a paper. That's a fact. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but I think... Her-
1: it says it says here on the paper. Cheryl Sandberg said this is accurate, so...
2: Yes, okay, you guys can both troll me all you want, but uh, I think there's something really interesting to interrogate there is that notion that people think that um, when you actually send it, you know, because you're using a scientific method, A, that's good enough... Um and that also they have because it's a fact, they can interpret it mm-hmm. and they can better understand it. Like they don't need uh any form of kind of, you know, thoughtful analysis or even kind of methodological rigor other than the spit sample or cum sample or whatever it is. Is it like, what, what do you use? Well they they don't want you to submit <laughs> semen <laughs> <I,
1: laughs> usually.
2: That would be a good like uh you wanna talk about culture jamming. That would be funny. <laughs> oh yes listeners i think
0: that, I think that might be considered an offense of some kind
2: why it's genetic have material to check with jared leto DNA, baby. yeah it's DNA. Just like <laughs> but i think it's this idea that like oh look i have this like you know, uh, sterile looking test, you know, I'm going to send it to a lab, it's going to get analyzed genetic code, ooh, genomes, and then that's good enough, right? No one kind of calls into question the fact that these are, you know, uh, culturally informed and historically kind of delineated practices, um, or even that, you know, the algorithms, as you've pointed out, um, both of you, you know, are oppressive in many ways.
1: Yeah. And it really bothers me, I haven't done one of these tests. My grand plan for this episode originally was that we would all do them and then share the results live on air. But um, what really bothers me about these tests is that um, they just give you, like, a country that your genes are supposed to be from. like it, it, Because geography, right, is different from ethnicity, right? Those two things are orthogonal. And so um, – Wait, what? They're they're on different tracks. Are they? What I'm trying to say is that just saying, you know, eumeral are 53% norway or whatever you're not obviously but um it, it sort of <laughs> elides you know the actual like history and like um you know cultural ebb and flow that you're that make you you in 2018
2: right meaning that i'm as unique as everyone else
1: god damn oh, that's boy. deep is that like a john <laughs> um, mayer lyric who? i don't know
2: well
0: i the i guess the other dimension actually the main dimension that i find these companies um really loathsome for like more than the profiteering or anything else um more than the fact that when i look up um the ceo of 23 and Me, whose name is Anne wachitski uh she talks about how she's got a i'm ceo bitch sign in her office
2: oh. god damn it yep
0: i'm oh, sorry i don't cool. consider that any any more flattering no matter what your gender identity is
2: uh, but that's like that um, shitty girl bossy
0: oh yeah 100%
2: lean in yeah uh,
0: the thing that i find insidious most insidious is the way that these companies validate this notion of sort of blood as destiny yes Mm -hmm. this notion of that your identity uh, based on your you know based on factors you can't control is really who you are and they Mm -hmm. they will determine your future which is uh, i feel it's this gets at um, one of the things that really that really bothers me about identity politics, and um, is the way that the, this can be weaponized so easily by the Richard Spencers of the world, mm-hmm. um, who um, who for whom this is their like entire worldview, right? Like I have, I had to imagine when when Elizabeth Warren came out and made that god awful video and statement, that Richard Spencer had to get, he must have had a fucking boner for that man. Oh yeah. Like it it plays into their the the alt-right worldview and just like the general, you know, right-wing worldview so neatly.
2: I, yeah, I think you're totally right about that. Um and you know, it does kind of this essentializing thing where it says you have you are in fact this. And you know, we're to kind of circle back to um the way that you opened this episode and this kind of discussion of kind of ads, right? Um, If you actually go to the Ancestry.ca webpage right now and you scroll kind of about halfway down the page, there's this, like, story from our members. And uh, the, in quotation marks, kind of the headline is, what are you? What are you? What are you? And then there's a little, (laughs) there's, like, a photo of a, a person who has, like, a little pie chart of, like, where she's from. Um and there's a little anecdote about how growing up, Leslie had always encountered curiosity about her ethnicity from people she'd meet, right? And there's kind of like this, oh my God, like, explore your ethnicity aspect. So yeah, it definitely kind of essentializes its identity. I'm um, just imagining like a like a 50 year old white
0: guy shaking this 20 year old ethnically ambiguous yep, woman just being like, what yep, are you? Yep, what yep, are you? Exactly. What are exactly. You? exactly.
2: And it really kind of taps into this kind of question, right? Um, but I think, you know, the, I guess the the addendum that I would make to your comment about um, how this gets politicized is that I don't even think it's just the right. I think it's like quite like, I mean, and I, I have quite a bit of disdain towards kind of... Um, Liberals uh, which is no secret but uh, the way that this gets taken up and, and what the limits uh, of acceptability are um, so for instance, you know the Elizabeth Warren thing was yeah Richard Spencer probably boned out over that and like you know just loved it but the the piece that I thought was really interesting even in our conversations um, and even more broadly is that uh, Lindsey Graham thereafter pointed out that it would be like terrible and I think that's the quotation if he found out that he were any Any of his ancestry was Iranian, and that was fine. Mm -hmm. The only people who got Ah. pissed off about that were Iranians, because Iranians, and it's not because I'm Iranian. I think there are other, obviously North Koreans. There's Mm -hmm. like a variety of Arabs in general. Um, You name a number of kind of different ethnic groups that are continue to just be like okay to hate um, in the liberal mindset, and I think that's part of the problem right it's not just that it gets wrapped up in kind of this right rhetoric it gets wrapped up in this liberal fucking clintonite hawkish motherfucker you know everyone's great except the axis of evil uh, or people that we can't conquer um don't forget the troika i I was gonna say the troika of tyranny right and yeah uh,
0: i called them the troika of terror last week i'm so sorry i misspoke
2: no one corrected you so we all misspoke
0: (laughs) (laughs) the um but you know the, the my my favorite thing about the Elizabeth Warren thing and was the fact that after it was done like some people recalled in horror as we did mm-hmm. but the general liberal response that i saw was look trump had put her in a corner she had to do this to <laughs> yeah. to like close to close the door i was like are you fucking kidding me yeah like the, you, you 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 may have closed that door and just opened another one to hell <laughs> <laughs>
2: I mean, but yeah, she's Elizabeth Warren. She's, you know, come on, Simon.
1: She'll be president someday. It's she, important to know Strillery her genetic point, background. 4.0 are going to So two things on what you guys are saying. Uh, I, I thought that the Lindsey Graham um, interview was really interesting because the Iranian thing wasn't even the headline. No. Right. Like the headline yeah. was him um, vowing that he will take a genetic test and that he will be more Native American That's right. yeah. than Elizabeth Warren and like and
0: there's a decent chance he will like really
1: yeah i i think i don't know if this was propaganda or whatever but um there was some chatter that like the amount of native american that elizabeth warren's blood contained was like lower than the average american or something. like this is so fucking abstract and like can we talk about so how stupid. like the indigenous people in america like don't exist are completely invisible except when they get invoked as like a pawn in like racial games wasn't that exact that's the
2: same for indigenous people pretty much everywhere Just absolutely different intensifications right
1: absolutely Um,
0: another great liberal response was when you know indigenous and first nations communities came out to say like yeah we really don't appreciate what what warren has done and then like liberals had to come to be like well you know i don't want to say they're wrong, but also <laughs> just, like, the, the the way people tried to wriggle out of that was, like, really beautiful. But my feeling is, like, if I'm Trump, and I don't want to give him any ideas, um, he if is you're a listening, we're big fans, yeah. um, but, you know, all he has to do is come out and wave a piece of paper around and say, hey, turns out I'm 15% Native American, like, he doesn't even have to do the fucking test, yeah. and mm-hmm. people will just, will eat it hook, line, and sinker, and then she's fucking done. Yeah. Forever.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Checkmate. Yeah. I mean... There are some other topics I want to get to, but one thing that I was thinking about because, um, I don't know, I'm, uh, listeners, you don't know this, but I'm, like, very uh, confused by incels in general, so I do a lot of thinking about them. And, like, would it be great, like, in terms of, I'm always trying to think of, like, ways to resist um, these types of kind of oppressive practices.
1: Whatever you're about to say, I love it already.
2: Go Wouldn't on. it well like should we get like some kind of genetic testing for incels to know whether or not they're chads or like have how much percentage chad? <laughs> oh
1: yeah, you totally could, right?
2: Yeah, like your bone structure. Yeah, they buy it.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there are <laughs> your, there are countries, thin wrists. There are countries now that are doing genetic testing on their elite athletes.
2: So the chads, right? Yeah, yeah. So the chads and beckys.
1: Yeah. So Uzbekistan. China, it was Uzbekistan that started it. Of course it In the last Olympics. So the, you have all your um, Olympic athletes that you've trained, like, basically since birth to compete in the Olympics. And then the last stage of the selection process for the Olympic team was everyone has to take a genetic test. And then only the ones that, like, display the best, um, you know, markers that are associated with athleticism, they get the nod to go ahead. That is
2: so fucked up.
1: So make this available to all the incels. Yeah. Really, all the – all the boys at birth really because we want to sort them early into alphas and omegas and then you'll you'll solve the incel problem right
2: yeah but also you can probably uh finally find evidence of hypergamy um from you know those horrible women that are dating above their. yeah, yeah.
0: yes yes yeah. Indeed. indeed and if if you don't know what hypergamy means i recommend you watch the contrapoints yes. video about incels it's very
2: good <laughs> it's, it's
0: it's extremely good
2: yes can we just um contrapoints we love contrapoints mm-hmm. if you want to come on the pot. come on the pot yeah big, friend of the big pot. fan yeah
0: we haven't even gotten into like all the ways that this data is being used. Like it came out a few months ago that Canadian immigration services yes. were looking into uh, using ancestry data to to investigate immigration claims and to investigate people's uh, background to see if they were really telling the truth about, you know, where, wherever it is they say they came from, which
2: <sighs> yeah,
0: <laughs> that's, uh, that's, there's uh, even just there,
2: there's so much to unpack that it just makes me tired. It's just, you know, it's disgusting. I mean, it really... uh, It's this essentializing trope that is used as legitimacy to exclude people from a livelihood. It's just garbage.
0: Yeah, and that's, you know, if anyone at home is a U.S. listener, just like, every time you, you like to think of, you know, Canada as a liberal haven or whatever, just remember, things like this are happening constantly.
2: Yeah. I mean... One thing, the the Canadian immigration thing, um, that's particularly uh, irritating. I think for us who who live here, because yeah, everyone sees us as our fucking weird, sexless uh, prime minister who's like just passively handsome and so oh, he's so great, but he's just this is the kind of evil shit that kind of lurks beneath the sur- like beneath the surface. Uh, don't worry, we'll get our wave of reaction in the next
0: two to four years, and we'll get drinker? our yeah, vote Andrew. Scheer. We'll get our Trump. I I think it's going to be the guy after Shear, to be honest. But um, I've been wrong before.
2: Yeah, well, you know, another kind of um, active resistance that I think for those of you who are really good at genetic testing um, and can create these types of materials, <laughs> you know, one thing would be really fun. Another kind of – see, I'm really into this culture jamming now that I've kind of thought about it some more. Is what if you had like a genetic test and you sent it out and you would like spoofed it so that every time, you know – you did a test if you were especially if you were incelly white or like you know incelly, <laughs> or pre incelly um or just like just a general asshole um then you would just get the results would just say that you were scum
1: that's all it says
0: <laughs>
2: you're a scum um no here's what i think here's what i think
0: you should do i'm going to do a new startup i'm not going to announce the name because i would spoil it uh and we're going to do exactly the same thing as 23andme and all those other companies, but it's, but the kit's going to be ten dollars cheaper, and um, we're going to send you the results. But then, it's going to come out in a press release two to three years later that actually we sent out all the results wrong, and <laughs> uh, we're going to send you the we're going to send you the real ones in another year or two. You just and randomize we just let them. you live. We'll randomize them, and yeah, we we won't even do the testing ever really, which is going to be the genius of it. We're going to save a lot of money that way. And, um,
2: <laughs> but don't worry, we'll still uh, allow a third-party lab to access your data, but only them.
0: Yes, exactly. oh yeah, yeah. I mean, th- we're going to know what the
1: results are for sure. We're not doing the, the test. Result.
2: We're just, just assuming that. that yeah,
1: know. just send a photo of yourself with your test, like yeah. whatever. It's pretty easy to tell, right?
2: Yeah,
0: yeah. Anyway, I guess to 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 wrap things up, uh, you know, if if your if your Meemaw has bought you a twenty-three and Me test. Off of a Black Friday sale and you're and you want to send it in, I mean, that's fine. Just you know, don't think of it as as the roadmap to your future or your past, and you know, don't be surprised when it turns out that it's being used by some huge u s pharma company or Canadian immigration services for demonic purposes. That's
2: all well, I mean, can I add to that? Hmm. yeah, please. So do. one thing I would say is maybe don't do it. you know, you love your Mima. I love my Mima, but you know, sometimes I don't. I don't always wear the shirts she gets me. Sorry, yeah. Grandma. Um, yeah. And the That's reason true. why I would say maybe don't do it is because this is your data. This is your personal information. Um, and maybe you don't value that, but someone else does. Um, and the one thing we didn't talk about, which I think is pretty important here, is the idea that you're giving genetic material away to like just anybody. And like in a world where like okay. What if someone uses that against you or like creates a clone and then how do you know you're the original just thoughts, you know? <laughs> <laughs> like that's that's why I wouldn't do it Like you think I'm gonna give you my genetic material so you can make another one of me And then like that person steals my life fuck that. That's heavy, Well, man. I think
0: the world would be a better place with more of you Nobody in it. agrees with that. I say do the
1: DNA test. Why not? You're okay. Who
2: cares about your da- your personal data? We've
1: all seen the classic film Gattaca, right? We know that you're shedding skin cells all over the place all the time. Your genetic material is out there. You might as well get something from it. Get a good feeling. Get some fun. That you're 3% Scottish. Did you know? I would fucking kill myself. You you might as well (laughs) get. Uh, Like, (laughs) did you you know? probably
2: are Scottish.
1: No. Look at this profile. (laughs) Beautiful. (laughs) Um, Did you know that these DNA testing services have app stores now? So you get your genetic results. You think this is fun? I know where I come from, but what kinds of skincare products work best for me?
2: No. <laughs>
1: oh my Yemen. god! Sign up with Life DNA and get a starter kit. It is, of course, uh, a monthly subscription box of um, <laughs> of skincare products that are like the exact right mix for you for your uh your skin or perhaps um you need to know what your baby might look like
2: that, see, you can that, pay that's 90 an, i mean i think we should do <sighs> another show on on kind of the the appification of uh, pregnancy and babies because it's super interesting mm, yeah it is really interesting like yeah actually. the idea that you have like yeah what your baby is going to look like and like people who are fucking obsessed with that shit that's just weird but mm-hmm. anyway people having babies is pretty <laughs> weird you gotta it. i don't know uh as someone who's gone through the process of having a baby it's yeah, it is pretty weird. It's pretty painful, I would say. <laughs> but that's just me. Maybe it's just cuz I'm like not uh European enough and I can't handle the pain. Yeah, it's strong.
1: Yeah. You need the the like farmhand
2: blood. <laughs> I'm just like because I'm an infidel, it hurt more. <laughs>
0: Damn. Damn. Um, jeez, we didn't even get to uh my favorite my favorite um manifestation of this phenomenon, which is that um I think it was ancestry.com and Spotify teamed uh, up. What? To give you themed playlists based <laughs> what? on your That's so horrible. yeah, so if so, like if you came up as whatever the fuck it is Ed Sheeran is, then you get some Ed Sheeran songs. That's awful. Yeah, oh. it's, it's does it come it's with like a, a little thing.
2: ad with like a celebrity that identifies and says like probably yeah. I, I took Ancestry.ca and this is what I got. That's, That's really fucked up. up. That's like some weird like see the this kind of ancillary markets that emerge as, as a result of these types of kind of appifications of identity. Is pretty scary to me Mm -hmm. (laughs) because like if they and the other thing too is that people actually use this stuff pretty regularly like it's quite popular Mm -hmm. Um, and so like in five years will it just be normal for people to just say oh you want to listen to my ethnic playlist
0: (laughs) (laughs) that's horrifying (laughs) And it's just Galway Girl by Ed Sheeran 15 <laughs> times in a row. God.
1: Well, that's the future anyway, we're heading for.
0: here at the Hacks Initiative, we just like to make you feel good about the future and and the present and everything else. So you can find us on Twitter. Uh, I'm there at HollowMines. Rob is at RG sherf with a C. And Moral, for some reason, is at <laughs> Snootlet. And uh, right. we hope you've enjoyed the episode. Consider that people might also, you know, people who aren't you might enjoy us and they'll have an easier time finding us if we have a higher rating on iTunes. So go rate us there, please.
1: And tell your friends about the show because we don't advertise it.
2: Yeah, because we're not capitalists. Said, I was actually
0: thinking about taking out some ads. <laughs> some ads, yeah.
2: <laughs> but we may be in the future. And also, you know, if you want, if anyone wants to give us, like, 23 me, if you want to sponsor us, um, or give us some money or free kits that we'll, we can we'll then take give out to the community. Yeah, we we'll, we'll do ad reads. It. Yeah.
1: I, Simon, our our editorial department and our advertising department are completely separate. So if you want to take out ads, that's, right. that's yeah. fine. It won't affect the, the quality of journalism that you get on this show.
2: Exactly. Our core business. That's right.
0: Is <laughs> to yes. Make- yes, it won't <laughs> affect the quality of our journalism. It will remain untainted from what it currently is. All right. Thanks, everyone, for listening. We hope to be back in the nearness of time. Thank you. Thanks, everyone.